Life After Stroke is a production of the Hang On to the Dream Foundation, the 501c3 nonprofit organization that helps kids and adults reach their goals in life. If these Life After Stroke programs are helpful to you, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Hang On to the Dream Foundation to assist the organization in its numerous outreach activities. For more information, just go to www.hangontothedream.org. And remember, no matter how hard things seem, hang on to the dream. The following is a recorded program of an actual stroke support group. The comments expressed are the personal opinions of the participants and not necessarily the opinions of the producers, sponsors, or the broadcasters of this show. This program is not to be used as a way to diagnose or treat any medical condition that you may have. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional before making any changes to your current medical routine. Stroke. 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 It comes out of the blue, sometimes without warning. But those who survive it should never lose hope. A stroke can be life-changing. But it is also a new beginning. Because for all survivors, there is still a beautiful life after stroke. Hey everybody, welcome to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing. Today we're broadcasting from Home Base, which is Providence St. Joseph's Medical Center here in Burbank, California. And this is our holiday show. Yeah, woo-woo-woo. Um been a long time everybody i know it's been a while since uh, we've done a show we've had a kind of a lot going on we've had a bunch of new faces and new people and stuff like that and uh many of whom are here some aren't here today but we got a full house here and all that kind of good stuff and uh so i know that you guys you know you've emailed and said how much you guys enjoy the show and like hearing about everybody and all of our stories and all the stuff we've talked about and stuff like that so i figured it'd be good to kind of have a little little kind of recap a little uh little chance to get caught up and you guys can hear what everybody's been up to and all that kind of good stuff and uh yeah so there you go um why don't we start going around the horn this way um we will come over here to john hi there so what's been going on man catch us all up um i did uh my wood badge and uh the kids uh, ranked up for uh, um, stuff too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Now, um, catch us up on that wood badge thing because I know in our some of our previous episodes you were working towards it. How long did it take you to kind of oh. get the badge? I mean, is it something oh. that takes a few months or uh, no? Uh, e- year and a half. Wow. Wow. And, um, <laughs> wow. and it's it was good stuff, but it, it was hard. Wow. And Oh, no. <laughs> Chop no. down trees. <laughs> no. Um um I oh. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> um wood badge is for um men and women to get a wood badge and it's uh elite status Ooh. of um, scouts. Oh, excuse us, Mr. Elite over yeah. here. Mr. <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Elite. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. That is awesome. That is, well, congratulations. Yeah. And I remember you sent me a picture of the, um, it was like an award ceremony yes, or something like that. It that was, was kind of cool. Yeah. Very and, cool. And uh, the scout leader and I went through that 
and it was good stuff. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Congratulations. And next to you is our buddy, Dr. Parker. Dr. Parker, say hi to all your fans because I, hi. Hi. I know a lot of people have been writing and talking about you and stuff like that. <laughs> um, you I don't know about that. <laughs> well, they have. I'm telling you, they have. And, and uh, they know you by name. Now, you know what, Dr. Parker, brag a little bit because you've got another book that's coming out. And I think you've got one that's already out, you know, since uh, in our last episode. Uh, brag a little bit. Uh, well, I have four books out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, also, I have my website, uh, oh. uh, robertrescottparker.com. There you go. There you go. Look him up. Got his books out. Got his website firing. He is ready to go. And uh, uh, also, I've got a fifth and a sixth book uh, just about ready to go. My goodness. Dr. Parker is not playing. He's like, I don't care about a stroke. <laughs> what do I care about a stroke? No. I'm just going to keep writing. That's awesome, Dr. Parker. Well, we're going to have you, uh, before the uh, before the day is out here, before the show is over, we're going to have you read a little uh, little festive something or other. I think you said you had a New Year's poem or something. Yes, so. a New Year's poem. Yeah. Well, before the show's over, we'll have you read that. And uh, we'll go around the horn. Have you been on our show before? Have we done a show since you've been here? No? no. Oh, okay. Well, wait. Now, i got to pick on Mark now. Okay, so now... I wanted so. to say I have four merit badges. <laughs> there and you go. From about 45 years ago, I can't even tell you what they applied to. <laughs> oh, no. oh, my gosh. That's all right. Hey, but you know what? You got them. So, you know what? Yeah. That's it. That, that, that speaks volumes right there. That's good enough. Well... Mark and his wife, Gina, are two of our newest uh, members of our support group here. Uh, many of you that listen all the time and have listened to a lot of our shows, you kind of know everybody else. But uh, these two kind of came during our little hiatus. And so um, I got to pick on Mark a little bit now. So here's and Gina's already kind of giggling. Oh, go see. Oh, now you're going to be, be going to talk some smack now. OK, so um, so Gina sent me an email about. What, like a month ago? A month and a half ago? Two months? Okay. And she sent me an email late at night and said, Hi, my name is Gina. My husband had a stroke. Uh, just like, it was only like about a month or two. Because you had your stroke a little over three months ago now, Mark? Four months. Four months now? Uh, Tuesday. Okay. Okay. So at the time, he had only had a stroke like a couple of months prior. And Gina said that they were looking for a support group and stuff like that. And she had heard about ours and it was, you know, highly spoken of. And so, you know, she wanted to come. And I had mentioned to her that I was about to head off to the Abilities Expo in a couple of days. So don't come that Thursday, but I'll be back the following Thursday and so forth. And so she also shared that Mark didn't want to come to the group. He was like, I don't want to come to those stroke support group. What do I want to go there for? And uh, and so I was like, well, you know, when I get to San Mateo, which is where I was about to head to for the Abilities Expo, so when I get to San Mateo, I'll call you. I said, do you think he'll want to talk to me on the phone? She, she was like, well, yeah, maybe. We'll see. And I was like, okay, well, I'll call anyway. Well, then Gina confided. She even narked on you. She told me that when she told you that I was going to call, you said, what's he going to call for? I don't want to talk to him. What's he going to call for? So <laughs> anyway... Uh, so I called from my hotel room when I got situated and, and Mark and I chatted and stuff. And so uh, he promised that he was going to come the following Thursday when I got back. So I got back into town the following Thursday or in time for the following Thursday. And Mark came and uh, 
And then Gina, you know, also narked after that and said, you know what? I think he wants to come again. I think he kind of likes it. Well, now, as I said to Mark a few weeks ago, you're stuck, man. We ain't letting you go because we just think you're the coolest guy in the world. So there you go. Now, what do you got to say? Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Very true. I did not want to come the first time, but after the first time, I... I wanted to be here every week. Yeah, that's cool. Now, and really, what was it about the thought of coming here that made you not want to come? Um, Well, quite honestly, Mm -hmm. I didn't think being around people that had strokes was going to be good for me. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And, you know, I only say that, Mark, not really to put you on the spot, but, you know, the reason I started the whole Life After Stroke radio show and the support group and all of that is because, and I think I've shared this with many of you before and even those of you that listen a lot, um, when I was in the hospital, I would have paid somebody to come in my room that had had a stroke and not like a recent stroke like me, but I mean like a stroke like a year, two years, five years, you know, because all I was seeing the whole time I was in rehab for a whole month, I was in rehab. All I saw was doctors and more sick people like me. You know, I wanted to see somebody that had had a stroke six months, a year, two years to show me what stroke looked like. And I wasn't seeing anything. And going on to Dr. Google and Dr. YouTube, as I often say, when I would type in stroke, I would find a lot about ischemic strokes. But I remember saying to my mother, now, wait, how do you spell hemorrhagic? And what is this thing? Hemahu? You know, trying to find that. And I was finding nothing. Well, little did I know two things. Number one, there's a high death rate of people that have hemorrhagic strokes. You know, 50% of us die in the first couple of days that have them. And there's only 15% of hemorrhagic strokes that happen in the stroke world. But the other thing that I've learned through doing this show and speaking to a lot of doctors and stuff like that is the research that's done on stroke the research companies don't do them on people that have hemorrhagic strokes because we're such a small percentage that it's kind of a waste of money in their minds to do research on hemorrhagic stroke survivors. They do it on ischemic stroke survivors because that's the highest rate of uh, you know, stroke people that have strokes. More people have ischemic strokes than hemorrhagic strokes. So, um, so that's a scoop on that. But um, So there's a lot that can be learned through these support groups, and that's why I started this one and the radio show for people who don't have access to support groups. And basically, Mark, what you have found is not unlike what I have found, which is the fact that being a part of a support group is, you can't, I mean, you just can't, can't measure how important it is because you learn, as you've noticed, I'm sure, you learn so much from other people. You, um, you just learn so much about your own stroke through hearing about other people and their strokes and stuff like that. And you also get to be a part of a group that has outstanding doctors, like the one that just walked in the door. Superman is here. You can make me cry. You know, I cry every show, and I'm trying not to cry, so I'm going to try not to cry, but it's too late. So, you know, this being our little holiday show, you know, we didn't do one on Thanksgiving for obvious reasons, because it was Thursday, but, um, you know, the whole theme I really wanted to include in this episode is is how thankful we really should be if we're not um and the fact that many of us are i'm sure and everybody listening we owe so much to dr darflinger who just came into the room um you know i started this group i had it first at a uh, little recreation center over by my house in burbank and um you know it was cool there but 
Um, and Dr. Darflinger was our very first guest on the show. And uh, he said, boy, you know, this is really cool. He says, you know, if I could get you into the hospital, you know, it might even be really, you know, a lot better because, you know, you'll have easier access to doctors and, you know, that can come on the show because otherwise they'd have to jump in the car and drive, you know, four or five miles over and then go all the way back. This way we're right in the same building. And so Superman over here pulled some strings and here we are, you know, months and months later, you know, still here and it's all good. And uh, for those of you listening, you know why I call him Superman. For those of you that are new to all of this, um, I watched Dr. Darflinger do a couple of uh, surgeries about six months ago, Doc. Uh, Dr. Darflinger and I were hanging out here at the hospital chatting and he got a call on his phone that said uh, you're needed down in the emergency room and he said oh I got to go do a surgery you know do you want to come and uh, come check it out and I was like yeah sure and I mean life changing is not even the word life changing is not even I mean life changing on a whole lot of levels obviously the guy you know the people you were operating on it was life changing for them but it was really life changing for me to watch on several levels number one it was almost surreal to watch what I was watching, which was someone at their most helpless level laying there at the mercy of you and you working hard, feverishly, to save this man's life and to restore him back to health, restore him back to his family, to his loved ones, and you and I have talked about this a few times. And um, I think until you have survived a stroke, what you do is amazing, bro. And we've talked about this. And that's why, you know, I watched you in that surgery and you were helping one of the other doctors. Uh, you were filling an aneurysm, I think. Isn't that what it is? You were filling that hole. Right. Yeah. A- and... Um, and and I was in one of the rooms there, and I'm looking at it on this screen, and I was like, wow, that's really wild. You know, I see the little hole there, and they're like, yeah, and they're just going to fill that up with this coil and this, that, and the other. And, you know, so they were explaining what you were doing as I was watching it. And, and for everybody listening, if you didn't hear the episode where I explained this thoroughly, um, picture somebody laying on a on an operating table. And Dr. Darflinger and another doctor and a whole team of nurses and everybody are operating on this guy. And they're not even really looking at him. They're looking at these gigantic, like, what, 50-inch screens? Huge 50-inch television screens that are hanging over the top of this man's body. And they're doing everything while they're looking at this television screen in live, you know, real time. So they're looking at this screen, and they're watching this little uh, dark thread, like this, this coil thing, go up into this man's brain and you just start seeing it start to fill in this little cavity that you see there and you're just watching it get darker and darker and darker and I'm like wow that's really wild and you know and it's started it from this man's groin and is going up and I've explained it before like you know the 134 to the 101 to the 405 you know and these are all crazy highways out here in California um but to even think that you even know how to get there from here. You know what I mean? It's like whoever thought that you could go from the groin and, and really everybody listening, just look at where your groin is compared to where your brain is. You know, there's no straight line. I mean, you can think there's a straight line, but it ain't straight. I mean, it's got to go around stuff and everything else. So here's my point. So, you know, Dr. Darflinger, a.k.a. Superman, is up here filling this guy's, you know, aneurysm up. And then they 
said code stroke again. And many of you that listen, sometimes you'll hear it over the speakers here. Whenever there's a stroke coming into the hospital, they announce code stroke. And that's kind of putting everybody on notice that there's somebody else who's come in now with a stroke. And so while he's operating on, you know, kind of finishing up with this one guy, they call another stroke. And Dr. Darflinger, sorry, dude, I'll never forget this. You're like, okay, I'm going to leave this. You guys can finish him up. This is good. I'm going to go get the other room ready. And this guy comes out of one room. I'm going to call him this guy, this amazing guy. Comes out of one operating room, snatches off bloody gloves, and says, I'm going to run into this other room. And he runs into another operating room and gets it ready for someone else to come in. And I'm thinking, this is a I man. Really, I really got to have my wife come to come to the table <laughs> listen to you. Man, uh, it's she, just she wouldn't. She'd be rolling her eyes a lot here. <laughs> yeah, <I'll tell> you. <laughs> and he leaves his underwear on the floor, and <laughs> he exactly. doesn't put the dishes in the sink. <laughs> hey, you know what? You can do all that, bro. Okay, yeah, I change diapers at you, home. You right? get a pass. Well, we haven't gotten to Atticus yet. Wait a second, we haven't gotten to that yet. Um, but it's like I'm watching you run into this other room and get it ready for someone else to come in. And now you're going to town on this guy. And uh, that's when you re- had to pull a clot out. And, you know, and one of the nurses made a joke that you were trying to speak to him in Spanish. And she said, I love, she said, I love listening to Dr. Darflinger try to talk Spanglish because he was moving and you were trying to tell him to be still. And, you know, there's no time to knock people out. There's no time to put in catheters and stuff. I mean, they're just ripping this guy's pants off and, you know, sticking this thing up his gr- groin area to get up in his brain and pull this clot out. And so after all that, when he came out, I just looked at him and I said, bro, I said, I'm never going to let you call yourself a plumber again. Because if in our first episode, he called himself a plumber. I said, dude, you are freaking Superman because you just cannot you can't put a, a value on what you do down there. I mean, you just can't. I mean, my gosh, I mean, everybody in here, not everybody, half of us in here are stroke survivors. And, you know, you work on giving people their lives and their livelihoods and their families and their children and their futures back. And you're rushing around like a million miles an hour for total strangers. You don't even know these people. And you. Well, I'll tell you, my, you know, we, we talked about this before, and thank you. I, I mean, my partners and I all and my colleagues, we all feel the same. We're very blessed and we're very fortunate to be able to, to do what we do and when we really love doing it. Well, it's amazing. And, you know, I could go on and on. You know, I've done it already on several shows. Every time you're here, it seems like I say the same thing. And I'll keep saying it. I am, you know, hey, you know, it's it's just who you are. And, and it's, you know, that's why I love you, man. You're a good guy. You're just awesome. And, and you're a new father. Where's my cigar, by the way? And I don't even smoke. But where's my cigar? Well, so, you know, <laughs> cigars are not good for stroke, right? So yeah, I can't right. uh, bring that here. But maybe That's we right. We got our Christmas party going on here. And we got pizza. We got uh, chicken wings. <laughs> I don't think anything in this room is really, really healthy for us. But um, you got to, yeah. Tell everybody about the baby, man. That's you know we're kind of updating everybody because we haven't done a show in a while. So you got to update everybody. You got a new uh, addition well, to the family. We do. We have uh, get our third. We got a. We have two two girls, three, uh, two, and now we got a three month old uh, little boy. Little boy and all you, healthy. And you know, and tell everyone. I mentioned the name earlier, but tell everybody the name and why the name is because it's such a cool name. Uh, we went with Atticus. Um, the, I, was, I always loved the book uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, and my dad was a very small-town lawyer, um, just had his own little private practice and did, like, family and law, and he always just wanted to be fair to everybody that he – he wasn't out there trying to make the case go longer and make more money. He just wanted to be fair to everybody, so I always thought of my dad as Atticus Finch. That's cool. So, that's, so that's cool. Isn't that a great name, though? Atticus Darflinger. 
I mean, that's like ballsy. I mean, that's that, you got to be somebody. Hey, yeah, he's got a lot to. That's all poor right. Guy. That's no. Nah, hey, you know that's what? Okay, he, he's got two older sisters to keep him in line. That's right, and he's got a great dad as an example. So no, he's he's going to do all right. He's going to do all right. Well, Doc, it's so good to see you, man. Well, thanks for um, having me again, and uh, just I can't speak highly enough about what you've created here with this uh, support group. It's well, really amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you. And you know, while I have you here, um, one thing that uh, I wish we had done a show on this, but it was really interesting and educational, and since you're here, you can kind of fill in the gap. Uh, we had a stroke survivor that came here a few weeks ago. Um, his mom called me from another state to say that uh, her son was living out here in Burbank, and she was looking to see about getting him into a, a support group out here, and so forth and so he came and um, she had mentioned that he was locked in and for those of you that are familiar with stroke if you don't uh, locked in is where in your mind you hear and see everything but after a stroke you just can't get it out you can't verbalize and so you're really kind of locked inside of yourself you're just kind of trapped in there you can't speak and so um so I said, oh, wow. I said, well, yeah, I, I understand that because I met a girl that uh, there was a girl in my rehab uh, when I was in rehab that was also locked in. It's very terrible. I mean, you, you hear and understand everything, but you, you just can't articulate and you just go crazy because you can't get it out. So anyway, so when he came to our support group, um, I noticed that he could talk. And so I was like, well, he's not really locked in, is he? You know, I didn't say that, but I just kind of came to realize that he wasn't locked in in the true sense of the word. And I had mentioned to Dr. Darflinger about this young man, about this new person that came. And when I described it, Dr. Darflinger said, oh, he's not locked in. He has perseverance. And the word is spelled exactly like perseverance, but it's pronounced perseverance. And talk a little bit about that, Doc, because I had never heard the word before, but it's really deep. Oh, sure. So, you know, I don't know this. I don't actually. I never met yeah, this guy, so I'm just yeah. kind of postulating sure, that sure, that's sure. what he has. But mm-hmm. um, perseverance, you you get fixated on a either a concept. It could be sometimes it actually is emotion. Sometimes it's a words or sentences, and and your brain just continues to reiterate those that concept mm-hmm. in your head. And so, what we see it clinically as if I ask a question to a patient, they may answer that question, and then every other question after that, they answer the same. The thing. same. So yeah. Just kind of stuck in that. In mm-hmm. that um, mode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, locked in is a is an entirely different. Right. Entirely when you're locked in, you're locked in. You, yeah, it's a very unfortunate condition. Yes. There's terrible. a great book called uh, "The Diving Bell and the Butterfly." Yes, I think. and I've started reading it. Yeah, yeah, you told me about it, and I started. I've started what? reading it. I think it's called the Diving Bell and the Butterfly, and uh, if I remember correctly, it's a it's about uh, one of the editors of Elle magazine, mm-hmm. which is a fashion Correct. magazine, and he so locked in happens to do with a brainstem stroke mm-hmm. in a particular area, and it's just absolutely terrible condition where you're conscious the whole time. We, in fact, I think we used to, in medicine we used to think these people were dead. I think at one in one point in medicine we didn't recognize that these people were still conscious, right? So they can't move anything, they can't speak. Typically, they very have they have. So for this, for example, this this guy who wrote the book, all he could do was blink his eye, mm-hmm. and he wrote the he. They figured out that he, you know, after time we figured out this particular case, and we look at people with these particular infarcts, and we try to figure out whether they're conscious or not. Um, in, in his case, they did figure out that he was conscious and he was able to develop a language by blinking his eye and, mm-hmm. and writing this book by doing so. Yeah, it's really... It's, it's, it's a really sad, obviously a sad uh, book. It's turned into a movie. Both of them mm-hmm. are good. The Diving Bell and the Butterfly by Jean Dominique Bobby. So, there you go. I Not to advertise a, a book, but it's No, a, but it's, 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 it's really deep. Yeah, and ever since you told me, I've been listening to it. And um, to kind of go back to the word perseverance, we... 
all have experienced perseverance, even people that haven't had a stroke. And we've done it a hundred million times and don't even realize it. Here's the method. Because I looked it up. I did a lot of research after you told me about it. Have you ever had a song stuck in your head all day long and can't get it out? That's perseverance. That's what it is. You, you just kind of say, and if you remember this young man that came, you know, when we spoke, it was just like Dr. Darflinger said, you know, we asked one question, he gave us an answer, and we asked other questions, and it was always the same answer. So um, it was very educational, um, what you had, had pointed out, and uh, really deep. So, Is it related to OCD? So o- people with obsessive compulsive disorder, as you're describing, they do have perseverance. For um, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't want to talk too much about that, but yeah, there are... Obviously, this is this comes in a stroke patient from an organic change from the stroke, as opposed to whatever is causing it in the OCD patient. You know, let me go here too. This is something else that people might experience, and this is something I experienced a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for those of you that are here, you know, I was in the emergency room again um, a couple of weeks ago because yeah, I told you the other day. Um, I was in bed, and all of a sudden the bed started flipping upside down. <laughs> I mean, like literally it was like, you know, I was laying in bed. It was like seven in the morning. I opened my eyes and all of a sudden the bed just literally flipped upside down. Like if somebody just was on the right side of the bed and just flipped it. And I was like, what the heck? And I closed my eyes again. I was like, okay, wait, what the heck is this now? And I opened my eyes again and you know, the room wasn't spinning. It was flipping. It, it was crazy. So, uh, my mom comes and visits me in the winter time. And so she's got her own room and so forth. So I, called her i said you know what you know i'm not a hospital person but i think it might be time to go because i don't know what the heck is going on right now this is crazy and uh as it turns out uh you know the cat scan was fine you know i got here and they did all that stuff and they said it was vertigo um since we have you here doc um give us a little thumbnail sketch of vertigo so vertigo has a lot of conditions that can cause it um what what's concerning with stroke is that so most of most of the structures that control our balance are kind of supplied by the the blood vessels that supply the brain stem and the back of the head those are where i get involved and that's a little bit you know that's where we're concerned about mm-hmm. um but there's a number of things that can cause vertigo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, so it's hard to run through the entire list of them sure now um you've looked at my mri and you've explained my stroke to be uh in a place, you were talking about the severity of locations where mm-hmm. if you were to have a, a stroke uh, in the front of your brain, it's not as high rent area. I think you described it as Bakersfield or something <laughs> right. like that, as opposed to the back of your brain or towards the back where you've got a lot of functions that go on back there. My question is, is, um, is that maybe why the vertigo happened because of the location no, of the stroke? Yeah, I wouldn't... I don't have you. I don't know if you've been having vertigo a lot. But no, I had it yeah, once I when I was in rehab, and then the other day. So yeah. No. So the look. Yeah, nauseated, dizzy. I mean, the room was spinning and flipping and doing all kinds of weird stuff. But it only lasted for like that day, and then you know, I took. They gave me a medic uh, prescription. I only took a couple of them, and I haven't and had a problem away. since. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not uncommon for us to sometimes get vertigo, just you know, a one-time thing, and mm-hmm. goes away. Probably all of us have a. F- have felt that sensation at I some see. point. Um, the location for where your stroke is, I, I would not attribute that. Uh, okay. attribute it to that. So it's not necessarily that the location of a stroke is going to lead someone to be more predisposed to having vertigo and stuff like Correct. that. Not always. No. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So you, know, you thought you were going to come in here, eat our pizza, and eat our chicken wings and <laughs> yeah. stuff. You I'm getting quizzed. Here. Here. We're We're putting you to work, exam. man. <laughs> 
So that's a very good question. Could vertigo, we, be, yeah, can a vertigo be a precursor mm -hmm. to a stroke? That's a very good question. And when I give lectures to, uh, I give lectures to the ambulance companies and the EMS on stroke recognition and things like that. One of the toughest things for uh, the ambulance companies and paramedics and all of the great people that are out there in the pre-hospital care is is dizziness and vertigo. There's so many patients, and I used to I used to work in an ambulance before medical school. So I mean, you there's so many people that we get called to, and they would have dizziness or vertigo. Uh, and if we brought every patient in that had dizziness or vertigo, we'd have to have dedicated hospitals for that. It mm -hmm. just happens so frequently. The trick is trying to tease out which one of the patients are presenting with vertigo and dizziness, which is an emergency. And that typically is in the back of the brain, the, the posterior circulation, which is a much worse stroke. So what we kind of try to teach the paramedics and pre-hospital people is if, you know, if, if, this patient is completely normal, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they just have the worst vertigo or the worst dizziness they've ever had. We should have a higher index of suspicion hmm. uh, for what might be going on underneath mm -hmm. that. And that's very difficult burden for the mm -hmm. paramedics to be deciding yeah, uh, right. you know, on the scene. Mm -hmm. hmm. Interesting. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Doc, talk a little bit about this new thing that you've gotten into, um, the throbbing in the ear thing. Uh, I can't remember the hype. Oh, pulsatile tinnitus? Yeah. yeah. The, could you, now you know why I couldn't say the word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say it again. So pulsatile tinnitus, uh, we could, gosh, I could get lectures on this entirely, but uh, there's t it's either called tinnitus or tinnitus. Both mm -hmm. are correct. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's a tinnitus, which is not pulsatile, which is just people hearing a constant high-pitched ringing in the ears. Mm -hmm. And that usually has to do with something with the, me the, the mechanics of your auditory complex. There's another condition called pulsatile tinnitus, which is pulse synchronous. And you hear this noise that seems to be going consistent with your heartbeat. It's described as a lot of different, it's usually whooshing, like a whoosh, mm. whoosh, whoosh. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other descriptions, but it's a very difficult condition that we haven't been all that great at in medicine over the last couple of decades to try and tease out all the causes for this. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's one of the one of the things that I'm working on. Yeah, so this is something that you now put your cape on to go into that metropolis and... and Again, uh, I'm very lucky I was trained by some people at UCSF who, who started a pulsatile tinnitus mm -hmm. clinic and, and they've been really fantastic up there. But mm -hmm. there's not a lot of places in the country that are doing this, so right, that's something right. we're trying to bring down here. Right, so I don't... Hope I'm not letting your cat out of the bag or anything, but no, uh, no, no. okay. Um, but that's something that he's uh, bringing in the into this area, uh, you know, this part of the country, and uh, it's going to be kind of the, the little spearhead and the pioneer of that type do you of thing. Do you have? Hmm. It's it's it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Come on to the clinic. We'll check you out. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah. Is it more common than people think, Doc? It is. You know, the um, some places have quoted 10%. I don't think it's that high. Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of guess it's about 2 to 3 million people in the country. But to be honest, we haven't been very good at really kind sure. of figuring this out. Mm -hmm. and, and now as we're getting developing these algorithms for finding out what are causing these things, hmm. I mean, there's 100 different causes. Vitamin D um, can mm -hmm. cause this. Wow. There's vascular causes, there's tumors, there's all kinds of things that do it. And if you don't know what you're looking for, mm -hmm. you'll never find the cause. Right, so right. the algorithm that we that, that was developed by my mentors up at UCSF, and which I've kind of started to bring down here, mm -hmm. is to go through that algorithm and to really 
look for all the things that can cause it. Right, right. Well, everybody listening, um, if you're sitting there listening to this saying, oh my gosh, you know, um, we'll put a link on the strokechannel.tv website uh, for Dr. Darflinger, and uh, he's establishing a, a whole thing down here in this area to treat that kind of condition, and um, he, he'd be your guy. So, uh, so there you go with that. So hang tight, and we'll be right back. Life After Stroke is brought to you by Audible. With over 180,000 audiobook titles from new releases to bestsellers, you can listen to Audible on your computer, iPhone, Android, or Kindle whenever and wherever you want. Plus, just for being a listener of Life After Stroke, our friends at Audible are giving you a free audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial of their service to get your free audiobook. Just go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash life after stroke. That's audibletrial.com forward slash life after stroke. Doc, when you grab some pizza, I'm going to go keep going around the corner here and stuff like that. Um, where'd we leave off over here? We were picking on Mark. I know we were picking on Mark. So Mark thought he was getting off good because uh, the doctor came in, but no, nah, he ain't going to save you. So you were talking smack about the group, so mm-hmm, see, I see how you, yeah, we let him have it, yeah, it's all right. You know that I dragged him here. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of research. I tried to find the right support group that I knew he would would work best for him, and this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it because that is the one thing um, for everyone. I think that if you don't find the right support group, it's not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not want to come, and you know that. And he, I dragged him here, and he said, I'm going to go one time <laughs> and then leave it alone. Um, but, but he's here because he is getting a lot out of this. Oh, and so, so cool. You're a godsend, honestly, no, no, because no. you have an amazing group. And everyone here, I think, I, what you contribute to his life, mm. um, to me as well, mm. uh, you know, I thank you all. I thank you oh, all. We're so glad to have you. It just it makes a huge difference. So glad to have you. Thank you, Gina. Thank you. Me to pass it. Yeah, we'll go to we'll go to Jan. So now we'll go to Miss Jan, and Miss Jan, why don't you catch us up and let us know what you've been up to? Um, <laughs> I've been painting. Oh, that's right. You've been getting back into painting again. I'm, bi- I'm back into painting, and I'm. I'm giving it a try. There you go. I've done two. Okay. So um, I'm on my third. That's exciting. That's exciting. Um, Tell everybody listening a little bit about your stroke when you had it and stuff like that. I had it two plus years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it's been really hard. I mean, I've had... uh, a hard stroke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what was your... But it's getting better. Yes. Yeah, well, it's absolutely getting better. I think it's getting better since we've known you. you it know? has. Isn't it, you guys? It has. Yeah, absolutely. It has. Um, tell everyone a little bit about the deficit that you had following your stroke. You know, because we all kind of have, you know, we're either got a limb problem or a speech problem. You know, we all got a little something-something. Mine's on my right side, mm-hmm. which is my full side, mm-hmm. and... I can't use a lot of the things that are on the right side, mm-hmm. so I try to do them. Mm-hmm. But it's getting better and stronger, you've noticed. It's getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think it was last week or a week before you had mentioned that you had had some vision problems, um, out of, like out of the corner of your eye or something. And I know a it lot of people. Uh-huh. Yeah. It doesn't show any um, 
hardly any light on the right side and a little bit on the left. I see. Like your peripheral vision. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, it's a very common thing that we hear about, and that's uh, why I kind of wanted you to share that a little bit, because, you know, a lot of you guys that are listening, you know, you're not alone, you know, and... um, but, you know, like uh, Dave's not here today. A lot of you, you know, have listened. Uh, I think Dave's on vacation yeah, or we something. Um, but, you know, he had it, you know, a peripheral vision problem after his stroke really bad. And he says it's back. It's perfect now. So, you know, so it's things better. do improve, you know, just take some time. Yeah, take some yeah. time. Next to Jan. Don't you be passing that microphone so fast there, Mr. Jonathan. You can say a little something, something. This is uh, Jan's boyfriend, Jonathan, who we just love here. I mean, he's just awesome. He uh is the caregiver, a.k.a. chaperone, a.k.a. Uh, he's our pizza guy today. <laughs> I said, hey, I just bought pizzas. Can you go grab them for me because I'm doing everything else here? And it's like, yeah, no problem. So, um, yeah, just you can just say something. Say hi to everybody. You know, you're part of the family. Well, hello, everybody. Um, it has been an interesting um, sort of a journey for me being a caretaker uh, for my girlfriend just because there's a lot of things, and I've discussed this with the group, there's a lot of things when you want to be helpful, you want to help your, your mate out, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you don't want to trample on her dignity and not allow her to try to figure things out or how to be the person she is, and that's a fine line, and mm-hmm. I'm still walking that fine line, not exactly sure which way to go. It's, we no, talked you're about doing it. Good. Yeah, I, well, remember, we talked about it yep. in, in you gave me the three, the three times rule. In other mm-hmm. words, I asked Jan a question. If she can't answer it within three times, then I should mm-hmm. come and help her with the answer. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, it's uh, it's been very interesting, and it's it's been a, it's it's suddenly my life has taken a turn that yeah. I never thought it would. Oh, but, I know. Um, but uh, but Jan is getting better, and it, I, I a lot of it has to do with this group. And a lot of this group has to do with you, Mr. No, Christopher. Don't go you there. are amazing. Don't go and there. I think everybody in this group knows that. Well, I love you guys right back. Right. And and you know, um, you know, you you kind of spoke about the three rules thing that I I said to you because I remember you know that when that conversation came up, you said you know I want to help her when she's having trouble, but you know I don't want to, you know, how do I kind of skate that fine line and when do I and when don't I kind of thing, and I described it as. You know, you caregivers love us, and we know that you want to help us. And sometimes the best way to help us is to kind of not help us in a way. Because remember, following a stroke, you know, you've, your brain in wherever that little area is has died. And I have been describing it as kind of like when your neighbor's house burns down. The house is gone. The family's fine. Everybody got out okay. But the house is gone. So now your neighbors are homeless. And so... You're like, wow, well, you know, I got some extra bedrooms. I'll, let, I'll take them in. I'll let them come live here. That's kind of what goes on in your brain with neuroplasticity and stuff like that. So the site where you had your stroke that may have been responsible for right hand or right side, let's say, that's gone now. That's an empty lot. It'll always be an empty lot. But another part of your brain will take over that role. It just has to learn how to. And so if you don't allow that other part of the brain to learn the job of right hand because it used because that side's like a left foot or a, a, a left eyeball or something and it says oh well we can become a right hand if we need to we just have to learn how to be it if you don't allow it to learn it's never really going to learn how to do it you know what i mean well, therein lies the rub because i i'm helpful i always want to help people absolutely out especially and i can't Stand to see her struggling. Absolutely, and that's the that's the fine line that sure. I still haven't figured out where. To I go. know, and you know what? It's just like working out at the gym or pumping weights or something. You know, you want to kind of spot them, you know. So you're going to be a spotter, mm. 
but you're not going to lift the weights for them. You know, you're going to let them struggle a little bit. And then, you know, it looks like they've really reached their max. Then it's time to jump in there and grab it or whatever. And I know, you know, you caregivers out there, I know you love us. I know you want to help us. Don't feel guilty if you kind of watch us struggle a little bit, you know, because we really do need to struggle just to learn to get strong, you know, and it, it's not it a bad is, thing. It is guilt that I feel. I'm sure. Absolutely. And you know what? I know that I feel guilty sometimes because sometimes I'll be somewhere and somebody will see me struggling with something and they'll say, oh, you know, can I help you with that? And I'll say, oh, no, no, I got it. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to them because they really do want to help. But for me at that moment, the way to help me is to let me just do this on my own so that I can learn how to do this, you know, so that I can re-educate my brain in that area to be able to know it because by denying me that opportunity to struggle is actually going to keep me weak. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a weird, weird kind of thing. So, but, uh, Jonathan, we love you, man. We're, we're, you know, we just, you're such a major part of our family here. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the thing with all you caregivers that come to these meetings, you know, you guys are just as, just as important to the family here as, uh, the stroke survivor is. So, Seated next to you is the lovely Cassie, who I know is going to make me cry again. Girl, I've been crying about you for the past week. Please spare me. <laughs> so go ahead and tell everybody the news. What did you do last or two weeks ago? Well, I sang a song in public for the first time since my stroke. Now, let me go back a few episodes. Seated next to you is Lee, who is like the coolest guy in the whole world also. That's your, why I your, your better half. <laughs> and uh, he's a famous guy. He uh, used to play the trumpet on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno for many, many years. Five years. He was in your house. And you didn't even know it, but he was watching you. <laughs> he was there. <laughs> but um, so you guys started coming to the group about, what, three, four months ago? Five months ago? I, gosh. I, I don't know. know. I can't remember. So well, you came, and so we chit chatted a bit, and I said, uh, I said, oh, so you know, what what do you do, or what did you do before your stroke? And you said, oh, well, I used to be a singer. I was a singer, and I kind of looked at you, and I said, used to be, but you don't sing anymore. And you said, well, no, I can't. And that's true. And you you speak clearly. You speak just as clearly now as you did then. And I'm thinking, well, you speak so clearly. How come you're not singing? And I don't know what you said. You said you couldn't. And my brain couldn't find the notes after my yes, stroke. Yes, right. And after s- being a professional singer my entire life. Right. You have sung with famous people, Perry Como, Andy Williams. You've sung all around the world. Yes. And so I said to you, well, you know what? I said, well, before you leave today, I want to hear you sing a song. <laughs> I said, you're going to sing a song. And so that was the very first day that you came to the group. And before you left, you said, okay, well, I'll sing a song. What song should I sing? And I said, well, you should sing my mom's favorite song. Yeah, because I couldn't think of anything. That's the only thing I could think of, too, because I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to tell her. I said, well, my mom likes Judy Garland, and she likes Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Why don't you sing that? And so you sung a few notes, and, you know, you got it out, and you did your thing. And I said, well, see, you, you can still sing. And you said, well... Yeah, but, you know, we just kind of left it at that. And I explained how, you know, the diaphragm is a muscle. And if we sit and get lazy and don't push that muscle, it's going to get weak and it's not going to do. It wasn't a physical problem, but I will admit five years of not singing Mm -hmm. was to my detriment. Sure. So fast forward five years (laughs) and months and weeks later to two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Because of you, I was connected with 
a performing arts group at Rancho Los Amigos in Downey, which is where I was in for my recovery. And I, they asked me to be a part of the show, as you know. <laughs> and I sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And, and it went well. I felt... It went super well. It didn't even joke, go just well. Um, I felt normal again. I felt so uh, good. First of all, Rancho, yeah. as we call it here, is a really big rehab hospital located here in Los Angeles. And ironically, that's where you did your rehab, as you said. Yeah. And also, ironically, they have a really, really great arts program there for people who are stroke survivors and traumatic brain injury Right. injuries and all kinds of stuff right. and, and they, it's run by a really cool uh, group of ladies there and it's just oh. really really great and I had heard about it I don't know how I heard about it but um, in one of the support groups here you had mentioned that you wanted to sing again and I said oh well you know what oh you wanted to perform again it, at some point it was my dream to be able to sing well enough to go back to Rancho that's what and it was sing for them and I said ironically enough in the next few weeks they're having a thing I'll call over there and see if I can get you plugged in to the people right. there and make it happen. It was kind of a whole pile of irony. Yes. <laughs> and you did it and you pulled it off. Yeah. And for everybody listening, I'm going to let you hear it right now. Oh, golly. And for everybody here in the room, I'm going to let you watch it. Now coming up to the stage is another new performer to the Performing Arts of Rancho. Her name is Cassie Thornburg. Cassie grew up singing in church choirs. Her first job was singing at Knott's Berry Farm. Then she went on to sing for cruise ships, eventually starting as Snow White for U.S. and Canada tours. Cassie then did many shows at Disneyland and Tokyo Disneyland. Her career led her to sing with big bands. Once discovered, she sang background for famous entertainers such as Perry Como and Andy Williams. Cassie continues singing with big bands until the day of her stroke. Cassie is now grateful she had this opportunity to share her talent with the ranch community. Accompanying her is Tom Rainier. Cassie will be singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Let's give her a big round of
Said that's her first time singing for the Rancho community and the first time singing in public since she's had her stroke. Go, Cassie! Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Thank you awesome. Awesome job. I Big just, hand for her, you guys. Uh, oh, my God. Thank you. I just can't believe I did it. <laughs> I'm so happy I did it. It was so good. And I want to say I am so blessed to have had Tom Rainier mm -hmm. play for me. Mm -hmm. Tom has spent, how long has he been on the road with Tony Bennett? He's been mm -hmm. playing for Tony Bennett. Mm -hmm. And he's a friend of mine, so he wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And he told me at the end of it that he was so blessed by mm -hmm. being there. He's such a good guy. Mm -hmm. That was so nice of him. So good. Yeah. Thank it was you. awesome recording that Christopher no no it's good everybody listening uh, obviously just heard it but if you want to see the video you can go to the stroke channel TV and the video will be there um, or you can go on the stroke channel TV app or you can go to our Roku channel the stroke channel on Roku and you can see it there but uh, I'm so proud of you sweetie thank you just well so I wouldn't good. have done it if you hadn't uh, said <laughs> I got no I don't have a nickel in that dime all yes, I did was just do. make a call or actually send a text and you know, but you're the one that put it all together, all the practicing and all the rehearsals Lots and stuff like practicing. that. Oh my gosh, yes. Cassie it was so good. I mean, I was crying like a baby. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. What's Mark that? was there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Mark was. The, I was just. I know. I was. Hey, you know, I'm a crier. I, I ain't ashamed. But oh gosh, you know. Well, it it's a blessing it to a singer if they can bring mm. out others people's emotions it was worth every tear my mother she said she got up she gave you a standing ovation because i just stood up i couldn't <laughs> thank you mom <laughs> yeah it was great yeah it was thank really great you. really really great so i never thought i'd get a standing ovation there you go see first rancho next carnegie hall there you go oh. <laughs> <laughs> now i bet you'll go back on the road soon i i could see mm. you going back on the road don't you think lee i think she could definitely go back on the road at some point mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely i don't know well we'll see what we'll god has see. in store for me amen absolutely well i can already see a little bit of what he's, what he's got in store mm. he's putting you back together girl so you got some more singing to do i think mm. You're on your way. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lee, what do you want to say? Anything? Uh, it's been a long five years. Yeah. So that was a, that was a big, big moment for mm -hmm. us. I think it, it's, you know, when people feel, and I know that she feels alone. She is alone a lot because I'm on the road mm -hmm. a lot. Um, we are blessed to have good friends uh, good volunteers who have become friends. Um, uh, the special, huge 
you know, thank you to Sue Rainey, who was uh, Sue Rainey was a, a one of the top calls in town in mm. the studios in the '60s and '70s. Mm-hmm. She was a studio singer. Uh, she used to sing with a group called the L.A. Voices, which was a five-piece vocal group that did a lot of jingles, a lot of commercials, a hmm. lot of uh, television. Um, and right, but but uh, she kind of has taken Cassie under her wing, never asked for a cent, hmm. and uh, has coached her back to the point where she had enough confidence to do this. Sure, and. Uh, um, that coupled with the the amazing people from Motion Picture Hospital out in Woodland Hills mm-hmm. and uh, some really good neighbors, we've been blessed with some great people. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you are not you're not alone. Mm-hmm. People are gonna people even the Uber drivers that she takes. I would say nine out of ten mm-hmm. Uber drivers will help her get the groceries to the mm-hmm. front door mm-hmm. or get you know, into the back seat of the car. People understand. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I think that uh, that you need a hand, and right. they're okay with it. Right, right. You know, the biggest thing I think, and the lesson in this is, is, and I've said this before in other episodes. You know, we are not our stroke. You know, I mean, we had a stroke, but we are not our stroke. And in a lot of ways, not only are we still the same person, but we still possess the same talents and the same abilities we might have to do it a little differently a little slower a little whatever or it might just be the same we just got to kind of figure out how to get there again you know it's like i've often said when i was in rehab they would tell me to move my foot and i'd say okay wait let me find it because it wasn't in the same place in my brain as it was it moved to some other part of my head and i just had to find it you know so it's the same kind of thing you know singing i remember it was just a few weeks ago you were telling me the same thing that you said a few minutes ago which was you had trouble finding the note like you knew what it should sound like but in a singer you know you kind of have to just go to it you can't kind of slide to it you know you have to go to it girl you went to it i mean you went to it in that video oh my gosh i mean you were hitting it and and you know you were hitting it because people were losing their minds i mean midway through the song people just start clapping and and whistling and screaming because you were tearing it up the one thing i want to say is that for me not being able to find the notes felt as frustrating as someone who's dealing with Mm, aphasia yes i can understand it was maddening sure and it's been a long road to even get back to getting back to being able to sing right that right right now you know there's a lesson in this that you can share with people um keep the mic for a second um people who are listening who you know have had a stroke and they're in that well i used to be this i used to be that i used to do this used to do that same thing with jan jan's up painting again you know doing yoga again you know with you cassie what what advice would you give to that stroke survivor who is kind of like that that used to be me that's not me anymore i'm now this new person who can't do those things anymore oh gosh just to try just to try. I mean, when you think about it, you, hey, you did it in a big way. Not only did you step up and do it, you stepped up and did it in front of a couple hundred people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you're going to like, you know, say, well, I'm going to try to try this again. I mean, you went right, like right to it, you know? Yes, but not, not without five years of 
trying. Sure. But what I'm saying is, is that some people that will try something after a while won't decide to try it out in front of 200 people. Oh. You know what I mean? And, you know, for the fear of not being able to pull it off, you pulled it off in a huge way, you know? I guess I just felt that it was still in me mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that will help anybody. But right, right. It's what you're saying, the art, the if you have that artistic sense or whatever you are mm-hmm. before the stroke is mm-hmm. still in you. Yes. Yes. What are you going to say, Jonathan? Mm-hmm. Um, Cassie said something that was very interesting. She said, singing made me feel normal again. Mm. And so my thing is, is that what does it mean for a stroke victim to feel normal? Because do you get as close as you can get to one second before you had the strokes is normal or is normal now a new normal? Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? And when do you feel comfortable with that? Mm-hmm. And I guess that is the question yeah, that everybody sure. has to deal with. So mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. thought I'd mention yeah, it because Cassie, that rang, that rang really true. Right, right. Well, and, and you know, that's interesting because I think some people, like to Cassie, normal to her is who she was pre-stroke. To some people... Normal is the new normal, which is, well, this is who I am now, and this is how everything has to be going forward now. And I just think that a lot of times that quote-unquote new normal will be a new normal that we make it into as opposed to what stroke has made it into. You know what I mean? I mean, I think we can kind of dictate what that new normal is going to be like. I mean, you know, yeah, we might all have a different way of life going forward but i think we really do have some say into just how different that future is going to be i think we can't just kind of sit back and look at our arm hanging there or our leg hanging there like well okay well there we go you know i mean we still have a say in it you know um you know i'm not going to get into the whole rant about turning the light off and on you know you guys hear that on the show about how i turned the light off with my other hand and was like, wait a minute. Now, that would have been a left-handed move any day of the week. Go back in there and try it with your left hand. And I did it anyway. I mean, I went back in and I was able to do it with my left hand. How many times do we not give ourselves a chance to see what we actually can do because we just avoid to do it? You know, and I, I realize it now all the time. All the time. When I've got time and I'll do something with, because as you guys made her, uh, I was ambidextrous. So I always used both hands equally. And now, for obvious reasons, I have to use my right hand more than my left. But I've challenged myself more and more over the past year and a half to, especially over the past several months, when I've got the time to kind of stand there and really work at it, I'll say, nope, this was a left hand move. Let's just stand here and see if we can make this left hand do it. And sometimes the left hand does it so quick, like quicker. I'm like, wow, okay. Where I would not have normally have tried it. I would have just, you know, everything right-handed now. But just by taking that extra five seconds to even see if I could do it with my affected side. And I'll surprise myself and think, wow, I did it faster than I thought I could. So back to you. Uh, Grab the mic. Because I didn't let you do something earlier. Uh, everybody listening, there's something that else that Cassie is responsible for. Um, she has kind of become our uh, resident cheerleader, if you will. Um, every support group, she always tells us to lift our affected side. She started to do it earlier, and I said, no, 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 wait. I want you to wait. And the reason I wanted you to wait is because not only do I want you to make all of us in this room lift our affected side, but I want you to make everybody listening Yes. Also, so everybody, everybody listening and everybody here, lift your affected arm as high as you can. 
in higher, higher push, just a tear. Try to open your fingers and slowly bring it down. Yeah, and you know what? If you have to cheat a little bit, that's okay, too. That's yeah. okay, too. You know, and I got to tell you, everybody, you know, when Cassie first did this, like well, a few months ago, she had us do this. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of cool. You know, I started to see a difference in <laughs> me being able to lift my left arm. I mean, because, again, had I not done it, it would have just kind of been chilling, you know? And so sometimes Cassie will send me a text message like, Christopher, lift that arm, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, I think the more we do that kind of sometimes stuff, Sometimes I'm really not as does. nice as just lift your arm. <laughs> yeah, <right>. There you <laughs> go. That's awesome. This is good. This is good. So anyway, so that's a little exercise for you guys. Even if you have to cheat a little bit, you know, use your other hand, pick it up, you know, just move it. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Um Dr. Parker's got a poem he wants to read. New Year's Eve. 80th birthday. Flashing through my mind. Now, Montecito, fearfully, as if it were real. Back from dinner, an hour sleep from 10 to 11, then awake, last arm to watch the show. Uh, uh, one or many glasses place half empty on the counter. Three women dancing. They worn a cargo line to sashay around the new house. Uh, hips moving, legs, and yes, they collecting a bit hippity, hip, tipsy, <laughs> laughing at themselves beat by beat they toured the house uh, they returned the lasses retrieved the wine poured and laughed out loud with each other uh, I arose from the couch Walked over to the counter, had a Perrier, and watched the pageant unfold around me. Uh, uh, Jen talks with another woman. Both were laughing quietly. Suddenly, the conversation stopped. We all started six, five, four, three, two, one. It was New Year's Eve. I stood, eyes searching for Jen. Mm. 
I wanted to dance with her. I found her. We began to dance slowly, of course, until gathering speed, I twirled her around four times. What had gotten into me? <laughs> <laughs> Yet, uh, when when we finished, I held my hand in hers for a moment. We laughed at the dance and closeness. Red hair colored, white hair thinning, thinning uh, direct gaze at the other person for a second. We hugged, then stepped step back, smiling shyly at each other, and said something. <laughs> good job, Dr. Parker. Good stuff, man. Really, really that good stuff. That one, my daughter. Huh, interesting. And now um, you've got a new website, robertprescottparker.com. Okay, so everybody listening, you can go to his website and check it out. And there, I'm sure there's links to his books. He's got several books that are available on Amazon and all that kind of good stuff. Um, he's written uh, some books pre-stroke. He's written several uh, things post-stroke. Well, that is awesome, Dr. Parker. That is awesome. Um, Gene, we're going to come down here to Gene. Jean's our uh, our little resident troublemaker and, and <coughs> his wife with the honeydews, you know, so no more uh, rattlesnake bites. No, no more getting struck by lightning. But I am going to Mammoth next week. You're going to Mammoth next week? Oh boy! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, He's wow. going skiing. Watch out! <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know we've ooh. laughed about it, Gene. I gotta say this. You know we've laughed about it, but you've had some like crazy stuff happen. You've gotten hit by a car, struck by lightning. Yes. He, he's nodding his head. He's gotten hit by a car, struck by lightning, bit by a rattlesnake. I mean, my goodness, and survived a stroke. <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> oh my one goodness. One thing I probably should add is that with a little bit of practice, maybe a lot of practice, mm -hmm. maybe like eight years, mm -hmm. you can still improve from a stroke. Yes. Whereas many other problems. You cannot improve. Right, right. That is true. That is true. Because now you're still taking speech therapy and stuff like that. And, and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I want to prove my stubbornness by the verse. So anyway. yeah, yeah. You still can survive. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of things. Yeah. And uh, originally, like improve. perhaps like Mark, I kind of pooped. Uh, so groups because I believe that group therapy will not work. But I think that within the past few years, I've learned otherwise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, there's just so much that you learn from going to support groups. You know, because not only do you kind of learn that you're not alone in a lot of ways, but each of us have picked up something along the way from the people who have helped us. You know, 
therapists and doctors and stuff. And so when we kind of share that information, it's kind of like, oh, wow, I never would have known that. Oh, well, that's kind of interesting. And then it kind of gives you a little something to look into. You know, like Gina was able to connect with Dr. Darflinger, you know, about something that's happening with her ear. You know, I mean, you wouldn't, you know, there's just things are just kind of all connected. And I don't believe in coincidence anyway. But, um, you know, I just think it's good the more that you can share information with everybody uh, and share some of the things that you've learned along the way. You know, that kind of helps you improve, you know. Uh, certainly, I think that most of us would love to keep things to ourselves, but I think that the uh, group therapy and the socialization mm-hmm. of the various people will lead you to believe that you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, 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 right. It'll remind you that you're not alone. You know, it'll remind you that, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you're going through is stuff that... Um, you know, everybody kind of goes through. So, well, this is cool, you guys. And, uh, you know, for everybody listening, you know, we've kind of uh, been away for, uh, you know, about a month or so, a couple of months, I think. You know, we just kind of took some time off. You know, we, as you have realized, we've kind of met some, uh, you know, new members to our group here. And we just kind of wanted to take some time just to kind of get to know them. And so... Um, Coming up in the new year, we've got uh, more shows. We're going to be doing more of our radio shows, and we also are putting uh, stuff together for our Roku channel. Uh, for those of you that have Roku on your television, uh, there's the Stroke Channel, where you can uh, see videos, and we're putting together therapeutic videos, so you'll be able to do PT and OT and ST sitting right there in the comfort of your own home. But, um, you know, it'll be good for people who can't get out, you know. Uh, maybe insurance has cut them off, or maybe they just don't have a ride to get anywhere. So uh, we've got therapists that we're going to be videotaping uh, stuff uh, of them doing therapy. And you'll be able to sit at home and do therapy from right there in your house. So um, so that's a scoop on our show. And um, it's been a very good year. We all have very much uh, to be thankful for. Um, not the least of which is that, you know, we're, we're healthy and we're working on getting stronger and healthier and things like that. So uh, on behalf of the group and everybody that's here, I want to thank all of you for listening over the past several months. And uh, I hope that you and your family have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. And uh, we'll see you next year. And uh, in the celebration of Christ's birth, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a fabulous new year. And remember, there is still a beautiful life after stroke. This has been a recorded program of an actual stroke support group. The comments expressed are the opinions of the participants and not necessarily the opinions of the producers, sponsors, or the broadcasters of this show. This program is not to be used as a way to diagnose or treat any medical condition that you may have. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional before making any changes to your current medical routine. Life After Stroke is a production of the Hang On to the Dream Foundation, the 501c3 nonprofit organization that helps kids and adults reach their goals in life. If these Life After Stroke programs are helpful to you, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Hang On to the Dream Foundation to assist the organization in its numerous outreach activities. For more information, just go to www.hangontothedream.org. And remember, no matter how hard things seem, hang on to the dream.